Good morning. Wow. That's pretty decent. Good morning. Still decent. Welcome to church this morning. Welcome to services here at Anastasia. We are so glad that you are here. Let's please open with a song of praise. Let's stand together, please, as we sing. Come thou fount, come thou king. Lift your voice together. Ready? Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart. Upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. 
Father God, we are prone to wander because we are merely created lumps of clay. So, Father, we come to you, to our Savior, to the Holy Spirit, the Godhead this morning, and we pray that you would strengthen us, embolden us, encourage us, charge us, Father, with keeping your words this morning. You are our refuge and our strength. You are our help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. So, Father, we pray to the one who's created all things. And we beseech you, Lord, to meet us where we are this morning, to encourage us in your word, strengthen us, empower us to follow it, and change us more completely into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning. We give you all praise, and we will be still and know that you are God, that you may be exalted. It is in Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen. Before you're seated and as Julia comes, please take a moment. Welcome one another here this morning. Well, good morning. Um, after you are finished greeting, you may have a seat. Um, thank you, thank you for joining us in worship this morning. We are so grateful to have you here today. Um, as Kevin said, my name is Julia. I have the privilege of serving our young adult ministry here at Anastasia Church. Um, if this is your first time or you've been um, coming more recently and haven't connected with us yet, I want to encourage you to stop by the welcome desk in the atrium. We have a gift just for you. You can also text us, and you can text the number 904-441-6900 and text the word CONNECT. That will pull up our digital connect card. You can use that to also send us prayer requests. We pray for those each and every week and are so honored that you entrust us with what is going on in your life. Um, so thank you for um, sharing those with us each and every week. You can also text that same number and text the word news. So this bulletin that you received when you came in, we have a digital copy that you can um, have access to throughout the week anytime you need it. A few announcements that we have going on. As you know, Pastor Walter has served here faithfully for many, many years. I'm not going to give him away. And we are so grateful for his service here. And just as a small token of saying thanks, we are bringing chocolate, his favorite treat is what I'm told. And these cards are out in the atrium at a table. You can write a note on the back, let Pastor Walter know um, how much he's meant to you. Um, just thank him for his service. And drop those off in the atrium. We will be giving them to him soon. So if you haven't done that yet, please do. And you might have noticed my really cool shirt that I'm wearing today. It is VBS season. We are so excited to be hosting Vacation Bible School again at Anastasia Church. Last year we had over 400 students come each and every day and hear the gospel of Christ. And we could not do that without a plethora of help from our faithful church. 
We have the best volunteers ever. And so if you're on the fence about serving at VBS this year, I want to encourage you, stop by the table in the atrium, talk to one of the directors. Um, if you're not able to serve the week of VBS, there's other things you can do, one of which is to feed our amazing volunteers. We have... Um, a break room with the most delicious Baptist snacks you can ever hope for. You, um, you're great chefs, I will say. I appreciate that. And we also covet your prayers leading up to Vacation Bible School and throughout the week. Um, whether you're here or not, we can all join in prayer for that. So thank you so much for your support. I hope if you're able to help, you'll come talk to one of our directors in the atrium. And last but not least, we have an ocean baptism happening on April 30th. If you've never been a part of an ocean baptism here at Anastasia, I wanna encourage you to come by and see what is happening. It's an amazing time that our church family can encourage those who are taking the next step in their faith and making their faith public for the very first time. And if you are one of those people who have never been baptized, I cannot think of a better time than at the beach. What a, how fortunate are we that we get to be so close to the ocean and be a part of that. And um, so if you wanna find out more information about our ocean baptism, there's information in the bulletin, check it out. Thank you so much.
wonderful picture and a wonderful setting of Psalm 8. If you haven't, if you didn't realize that, or if you haven't looked at that psalm in a while, it'd be something worthwhile doing to go back and see, because it's almost word for word out of that psalm. Now, turn our attention to standing, because Miss Nancy's ready. <laughs> My faith has found a resting place. As you are standing, let me draw your attention to, though, You'll see there are empty chairs up in this choir loft. And in your bulletin, there is a plea that if you have a desire to sing, you can please come and join us. Most don't read music per se, but they follow well. But the most important part is the song is in their heart that the Lord put there. So we would encourage you to come to a rehearsal and check us out. But we would love to add to this number that is singing before you. My faith is found. Ready together? My faith is found.
Church, ready? Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sing my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. Please be seated as Bill comes. Boy, is that a tough act to follow right there. Thank you, Kevin. So this is, um, I'm Bill Blaylock. I'm the church administrator. This is a, our generosity moment. This is a time where we get to thank the Lord for his abundance and also thank you for your generosity. We really appreciate it. You know, it's the, it's the giving that we get from y'all in the time and the your talents and your, your, your treasures that allow us to come in here on Sunday morning and worship as we do. It's, uh, it, what's, it's what allows us to have the VBS program that we do, the space that we have for the VBS program. It's also allowing us to build this magnificent buildings that we're building to do ministry in, which is what we're here for. And we just thank you so much for your generosity. We have uh, changed things up a little bit on the... Um, on the giving, if you'll notice, there's actual envelopes in the pews again. There's, uh, and, and on these envelopes, believe it or not, there's QR codes. So you don't even have to take the envelope with you. You could scan it and make your contribution right there just by looking at the envelope with your phone. So that's a big deal. But if you'd like to use the envelopes, we still have offering boxes in the atrium and, and in the vestibule, and you can use that. And then if you're, you, you want to go backwards, then we can do a text. You can text the word GIVE to 904-441-6900. It will send you a link with the drop-down boxes, and you can check off, check off where you'd like to give, and we truly appreciate that. Um, so we do have a, a guest pastor here this morning. Pastor Dan from State Road 16 will be here bringing the message, and so let's just pray. Father God, we just thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house and worship. Father, we thank you for the the volunteers and the staff that give of their time and their talents and their treasures. Father, we just ask that as we bring this offering to you that you would take it and you would use it for your kingdom. 
We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you. But I'll give myself a proper introduction. My name is Dan, and I am not a handyman, all right? I am, I am just not. I don't do well at home projects, and I really don't do well at home projects that I attempt to uh, carry out with my wife, Donna. You can ask her, and yeah, what do I at times set out to do? Well, I set out to be the handyman that I think I should be, or the handyman that I think Donna thinks I should be. Um, and together we try to tackle these home projects, and it rarely goes well. It, it just rarely goes well. And, and I'll, I'll take the, uh, the blame on that. Uh, the buck stops here because inevitably my pride gets the better of me. Um, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, a guy should know how to do some of these things. And so when it doesn't go right, Right When the measurements don't line up just right, when oh, my pride wells up inside of me and, and it just doesn't go well. It happened a few years ago when we were installing floors in our home. I don't know why we thought it was a good idea to try to attempt that on our own, but we did. Um, it actually happened a couple weeks ago. And I don't know who still hangs wallpaper in their home, but my wife thought it was a good idea for that. And so we attempted and again, it didn't go well. It can, it can get so bad, yeah, it can get so bad that the one time that it went well, that we still liked each other when the project was over, that's a true story, uh, we celebrated, right? We're, we're still friends, and what an awesome thing. But, you know, God hasn't just called us to carry out some home projects, right? What he's called us to do is to build the family. Uh, and to build the family in such a way that we bring glory to his name. And I believe that the way we approach and resolve conflicts that arise in the family, because they arise in the family, um, but the way we approach those and resolve them, it, it can bring glory to the name above every name and literally point our family and those around us to the Lord Jesus. Because listen, the absence of conflict in our families and in our home does not equal a good Christian home. Not, not at all. But a family that resolves conflict in a healthy way, in a way that brings peace to the family, in a way that, that unifies the family, in a, in a way that brings healing when that conflict has inflicted some pain on those in the home, it's that family that will withstand the storms of life that will come because they will. Um, but we can, we can withstand those storms and, and continue to build and bring fam, uh, glory to God in the process. But, you know, that doesn't just happen. It, it takes works. In fact, what does just happen, Jesus says, is trouble. You know, there, there was a, a lot of Greek words thrown at me in, in college and seminary, but there was one that, man, just always stuck with me, and it's that word trouble. Um, because it's the word, yeah, I have a trouble saying it, thlipsis. And there's so much trouble saying the word that I always remembered what it meant. But uh, Jesus said in John 16, that in this world, we will have trouble. We'll have tribulation. And that includes in our families and in our 
marriage relationships. Paul would go on to say that those who are married will have trouble or thlipsis in this life. And, And that's just something we have to understand, we have to expect as we build our families. Trouble. I can expect trouble in my family and in my marriage. And so part of Building the family is, is knowing how to approach and how to resolve the trouble or conflicts that do arise. And again, so we can bring glory to God and, and bring peace to our home. And so if peace and unity and healing don't just happen, but trouble does, that tells me we have some work to do. We have work in resolving conflict, work that can be attempted by leaning on our own understanding and on our own wisdom, uh, or work that must be done by fully trusting on God's wisdom. If you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to James chapter, uh, chapter 3. I have the privilege of, of kicking off this round-robin sermon series uh, called Building the Family. Now, I know that, that some of you are in the same season of life as me, uh, some perhaps beyond and, and maybe some prior, but Some of you may be thinking, well, I've already built my family, right? Isn't this a little late? Well, let me tell you, every season of life has the opportunity for conflict to be resolved. Can I get a witness on that, right? Just because your children are adults now doesn't mean conflict doesn't still happen with them. Um, Yeah, there's, there's there's some testimonies going on right here. Now, we're gonna be looking at a lot of different scriptures this morning. And what you may notice with with these scriptures is that very few, really if if any, uh, directly relate or or even mention marriage and family. But you know, as believers, any scripture, any scripture that instructs our walking out of the new life we've been given in Christ suddenly become marriage and family verses. And so as you hear me read these Uh, verses from James 3 and just a few verses from James 4, try to hear them from the perspective of those relationships you have in your family. Deal? All right, let's stand together in honor of reading God's word. I'm going to begin in verse 13 of James chapter 3, and it says this, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works In the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Chapter four, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Thank you that that your desire, your passion 
is for families to be healthy, families to bring glory to you, families to to just thrive. And God, I thank you that your word shows us exactly how to walk uh, by your spirit. God, that, that we can build our families in such a way that you are honored, that you are glorified, and that our Savior is made much of. And so God, instruct us this morning, and then God, empower us by that same spirit that inspired your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can be seated. You know, I, I absolutely love God's word. I, I thank him that he allows me to, to bring his word to his people. But I'm not sure I love how James calls out the person responsible for the quarrels and fights I have in my relationship. Why? Uh, because if I read a passage like this and see it as written for me, it's, it says that the biggest threat to my relationships, and in this case, my family, is me, all right? The biggest threat to your relationships, to your family, is, is you. And you know what? It, it's so true that, that my heart, my heart is, is in need of healing, of, of a savior, of, of having the conflict that goes on in my heart healed. Because the truth is, as it says here, I have passions at war within me. My desires, even my motives have to be kept in check. And we'll get back to James in just a minute. But if we look at what Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, we see that the battle is between the desires of my flesh, that part of me that has a tendency to want to do life apart from God. Some call it the self-life. But you've got the desires of the flesh against the desires of the spirit. And in the family and really in any other relationship, you've got the desires of my flesh against the desires of my wife's flesh or my kid's flesh or whoever it is that we're having a relationship with. Um, and so we've got to remember that. But our flesh against the spirit, the desires are conflicting. And we have to remember that the Spirit indwells each and every believer, meaning this, meaning in Christ, we have the capacity as well as the responsibility to resolve conflict and first to resolve conflict in my own heart. And that, that's where we have to start. We have to resolve conflict in our own hearts. You know, in Reengage, uh, a marriage ministry, we've been... Uh, blessed to have out at State Road 16 now for, for eight years. Uh, we call that drawing the circle around yourself because our natural tendency is to, to really look at our spouse or our kids or whoever it is we're in conflict with and see that the problem lies with them, all right? I mean, that is our natural tendency. But the concept of, of drawing the circle around yourself is for us to, to look at everyone inside that circle, all right, and so you're only drawing that circle around yourself because that's where you need to start. You need to start with yourself. Jesus would say it like this. He would say to take the log out of your own eye before you go and try to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And I would add maybe your wife's eye or your kid's eye, your husband's eye. But, you know, Paul gives us two steps 
really to do this as a believer, to settle that conflict in our own heart. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Again, the, the Bible says that every believer has been given the Spirit and then calls us to be filled with the Spirit of God. And, and once filled, we can actually then walk according to the Spirit. We can follow his lead. We can follow his guidance, his teaching, his reminding of, of God's ways when at times we want to go our own ways. And the first thing the Spirit will call you to do, and Paul, Paul assumes this is already true of these he is writing to at Galatia, but the first thing the Spirit will call you to do is to crucify the flesh with its desires and passions. It's what he says in Galatians 5, 24 and 25, so that we can continue walking then by the Spirit, that very Spirit who has given us life. You see, if we put our fleshly desires to death, that is what is earthly in us, we'll no longer have the capacity to wage war against the Spirit. No, instead we'll be free to live the Christ life rather than the self-life. Because when it comes to resolving conflict, which again, conflict is inevitable, I have to resolve the conflict in my own heart first. Then, and only then can I rightly work to resolve conflict in my, in my family. That's the next thing on your outline there if you're, if you're taking notes. And let me just mention this. This is just a, a real kind of brief look at conflict resolution as Scripture shows. Um, we have a wonderful QR code. I know you all love QR codes around here. So I put a QR code in there that takes you to a conflict field guide that will um, just give you a, a much broader look at uh, biblical conflict resolution. And so I encourage you to, uh, to look at that. But the next thing on your outline there is work, work to resolve conflict in my family. James asks this question in there in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? And then he writes, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom, All right? His works. How is wisdom and understanding seen? By our works. Just as James would argue that our faith is seen by our works, he says, your wisdom and your understanding, that's going to be, that's going to be seen by your works, by the way you conduct yourself. Uh, but listen, resolving conflict, it takes work. And it takes wisdom and it takes understanding. Now, it can be so easy for us to automatically think that we're the ones operating in wisdom, right? Not, not the other person. We're, we're the wise one. That's why James kind of asks us the way, way he does. Who, who is wise and understanding among you? But when, what we need to see is that we're often operating, if we're honest, in just what makes sense to us, which may or may not be coming from wisdom, or at least not the wisdom from above. Because what we see here is James contrasting earthly wisdom with the wisdom from above. Now often, again, if we're honest, we're operating in that earthly wisdom. Wisdom that makes sense to our flesh, to our fleshly desires that are the cause of those quarrels and fights in our home. He even says that wisdom is marked by jealousy and, and selfish ambition. And so there's that self-life trying to, trying to wedge its way in there. But the truth is, the only way conflict will be resolved in a healthy manner, where peace is the result, 
is to work in the wisdom and understanding of the Spirit of God. And so we've got to walk in the wisdom from above, which, which he gives the marks of here. He says it's pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Now, one thing we got to ask ourselves when we're looking at a passage like that is, does this describe the wisdom I'm walking in? Is this the way I'm working to resolve conflict in my home? Am I being impartial or am I being a little partial to, again, self? All right? If not, that conflict may end up getting resolved, but peace is going to be lacking in your home. Unity will be lacking in your home. And healing, it just won't be there. But if we seek to make peace, what does James tell us there in verse 18? We have to then sow peace. If we want to make peace, we have to sow peace. And the results, he said, will be marked by righteousness. But again, it takes work. It takes walking in wisdom. And and while the marks of those are given here in James, Scripture also gives us some wisdom really all throughout for us to walk in as God's people. And and from that, I want to just give you two practical steps of wisdom this morning. First is as we're working to resolve conflict in our families, uh, do this. Strive to build your relationships, not your case. Strive to build your relationships, not your case. You, You understand the difference there, right? Okay. Remember, the, the goal is peace, unity, and healing, not proving that you're right. All right? We, we've got to value our relationships more than we value just being right. And one way we do that is as we're communicating about the conflict. And so just a quick tip about communicating, in, again, in any relationship, is, is listen for understanding. All right? As you're communicating with someone, listen for understanding, not just to make a reply, right? We, we often do that, don't we? we? We listen, instead of listening for understanding, we, we look at, okay, how can what they're saying support really what I'm trying to say, and I can come back with this reply on them and further build my case? No, listen for understanding. Listen to see the other person's point of view to hear their feelings, not just to see how we can come back at them. Proverbs 18, 13 says this, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. In other words, you may look the fool when you haven't really even heard what it is that's being said before you give that reply, right? Earlier in that same chapter of Proverbs, Solomon writes this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. If you want to build the relationship, which should be the desire of every believer, right? We should want to build our relationships up. We have to listen for understanding, not to reply. Second, when you do speak, after listening for understanding, right, you speak to build up. You speak to build up. Speak to build the other person up. And speak to build the relationship up. Just prior to these words about wisdom here, uh, James speaks quite pointedly about the tongue. And, And he says there in James 3 that both blessing and curses come 
out of the same mouth. But then he adds this, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. So we can know that when we're walking and working in the wisdom from above, blessings are gonna be what comes out of our mouth. Things that will build up the relationship and build up the other person. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter four, let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only as such as good as, as, as is good for building up as fits the occasion. And then listen, that it may give grace to those who hear. Are we doling out grace with our words, even as we're trying to resolve conflicts, right? So we wanna give grace to our family. We wanna speak to build up, not to tear down. Certainly not to condemn. That won't build the relationship one bit. All right. Words of grace, words of life, words of truth, spoken in love. Those are the kind of things that are going to build the relationship toward peace, toward unity, and toward healing. Let me give you just one more action step this morning. This one, as well as that first one of resolving conflict in your own heart, will help keep peace the norm so far as it depends on you, right? I mean, you, you can only draw the circle around yourself and be responsible for that person. But as far as it depends on you, Paul calls us to in Romans 12, live at peace with, with everyone, those in your home included. But here's what we need to do as we look further into James, as he writes here in chapter 4. We need to remain humble and clean before God and before my family. Remain humble and clean before God and my family. You know, I started out admitting how my pride often gets the better of me as we're trying to do these projects and how things don't go too well between me and Donna as a result. And so this is, this is directed right at me. Um, but listen to James' words here. This is beginning in uh, James 4, verse 6. He says, but he gives more grace. I, I love that. Aren't you glad that God is a God of grace? But not just grace, he's a God of more grace. But God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will exalt you. God opposes the proud. And so I have to realize that when I allow my pride to well up in me, I'm, I'm setting myself in opposition against God and not in a position to receive that grace, that more grace that he has for me. But all of this is simply to say this, that you and I, we got to take our sin and our pride seriously, understanding how it affects those relationships And we have to remain humble and clean. And and part of remaining humble and clean is to confess our sins. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so confess your sin to God, but also confess your sin to those that you've hurt, those that you've sinned against, your family members. That includes your kids. I think one of the most powerful things I've done in my relationships with my kids, and listen, I, I haven't always gotten this right, right? But when I confess 
of my sins to my kids, ask their forgiveness, and receive the grace they extend to me when, when, they, re, when they extend it, um, it shows them, listen, it shows them that dad doesn't get a pass just because he's dad, and, and certainly not because I'm a pastor. But it shows them that it's a safe place. Our family is a safe place to confess their sins, right? That forgiveness is available in our home. And, and when it's given, when that grace is extended, that they need to receive it. It teaches them that there is conflict in their hearts as well as in mine that needs to be resolved. And, and it puts the relationship above being right. Again, the result of all of that, James says, is peace. Not necessarily the absence of conflict, but peace, unity, and healing in the family. But again, it takes work. It takes work. It takes wisdom. And it takes a whole lot of humility. Let me close with these words from Paul to the church at Rome. And again, take these words and allow the Spirit to apply them to your family situation, to those relationships, whatever those look like, so that God gets the glory. This is what Paul writes. He says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning once again for your word, God, and how your word, uh, God, it's living and active, and it, it penetrates our hearts, God. And I, I pray that we would just get out of the way and allow your word to, to do its work, for your spirit to do a work on each of our hearts, that that conflict in our hearts would be resolved so that we can approach the conflict that is bound to arise in our families in a healthy manner, God, in a way that glorifies you. Now, Father, I know that, Lord, uh, that conflict in our heart, God, until we humble ourselves before you and accept our need for a Savior, Lord, that, that conflict never really gets resolved. And so, God, I pray that you would do a work of salvation in this room. God, that you would do a work of turning hearts back to you in this room. And Father, that you would do a work of turning the hearts of husbands and wives, moms and dads and kids back to each other as they look to you first and to those relationships you've allowed them to enjoy. And so God, do a work beginning in my heart this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, at the end of every service, we just allow a time for response. One of those responses you can make this morning is we've talked about resolving that conflict in your own heart is to understand that the only way that conflict gets resolved in your heart is to accept the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The sacrifice he made for each one of us. Until then, it's only going to be the flesh that dominates. It's only going to be the, the fleshly desires that we seek to fulfill. But God wanted his conflict with you, or really your conflict with him resolved so badly that he sent his son Jesus to take on your sins 
to take the penalty for your sins upon the cross so that you might become the righteousness of God. And we want to extend that opportunity to to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning. You know, he came to reconcile us to the Father so that that relationship would be right. And until that relationship's right, these relationships will never be right. And so we extend that opportunity to you this morning. Let's stand together. And as the Lord leads, I'll be here at the front. You may have something you want to pray about, something going on in your family. The altar's open. I'm here to pray with you. But you come as the Spirit leads.
Just before we leave this morning, as part of our benediction, we want to uh, commission some uh, ladies in our church who have gone through some ministry training. We have a ministry here called Journey to Our Hope, and it's a cancer care support ministry. And uh, what, a, what a needed ministry. But, you know, God places different um, desires in our hearts to serve the church body. He gifts us in certain ways and, and gives us just different leanings. And I appreciate these three ladies going through an eight-week training uh, to, to be able to minister and just come alongside those who are going through. And, you know, often uh, we, we do that out of, out of the comfort we've received, right? We, uh, we're able to give comfort to others. And so let me invite uh, Sally and Julie, and I got a cheat on my sheet here, Rachel, come on up. And uh, we just want to uh, pray over them and uh, thank you all so much for heeding the Lord's call. To, uh, to minister to others in their time of need. And uh, so let's just, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you and praise you, God, for you are good and your mercy endures forever, God. And we thank you that your goodness, God, you've designed it for our goodness to flow out of us to others. God, and for, for each of these ladies, Lord, to, to understand, God, that concept, that, that truth, Lord, that they can give what they've received from you, that, that grace and that mercy, Lord, that comfort and that goodness, Lord. And I pray that as they now, uh, God, have completed this training and, God, just go, to, go alongside others, Lord, that you would just continue to empower them, equip them for every situation, Lord, for every need. God, thank you that you supply it. And, God, I pray that you would just supply it through these ladies. God, thank you for your goodness and grace. In Jesus' precious name, amen. And amen. God bless you.